What's up, everybody out there in Shooters Radio Universe? My name is Nick Bacone, co-host of the Straight Shooters Podcast. And this week, we're going to upload a classic episode for you. Actually, two classic episodes for you. We're going back a year when we did two deep dives on WCW's Fall Brawl War Games, 1996 and 1997. This episode's going to be our 1996 deep dive, which also featured Big E winning the WWE title earlier that week. So we talk a lot about that during this episode. It's our 300th episode you will hear in a little bit. Of course, it's been a newsworthy week in the wrestling industry, specifically at AEW with the whole CM Punk, Kenny Omega, Matt, Nick Jackson, Ace Steel, Melee in the locker room after All Out, after CM Punk's post-media scrum of when he just lambasted everybody in the company. We did an emergency podcast on that, so you can check that out in our archives as well. If there's anything else that drops this week that will necessitate a follow-up emergency podcast, then we're going to do that. We're still waiting to hear as of this upload uh, if any dominoes will fall from that. So stay tuned to the Straight Shooters podcast feed. Rate, review, and subscribe us. We're everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, ShootersRadio.com, Patreon.com slash ShootersRadio. Enjoy this classic episode. Our 300th episode, Fall Brawl 1996, Deep Dive, along with Big E winning the WWE title. Oh, Shooters Radio Universe! It's a new day! Yes, it is! I am Vaughn Johnson. You've got me mad now. You know, you got a bad pickle. Feeling good. Well, all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ran the bad pickle in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. Kick you some But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> he know that wrestling, like he know that wrestling <laughs> boy. Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome to episode 300 300 episodes of audio greatness. And our 300th episode is available wherever podcasts are found, including the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Vaughn Johnson. And I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us here on episode 300. You thought the other 299 episodes were good? Well, huh. Wait till you get a load of this one. Exactly. Dusty, I agree with everything you just said. I concur. Because that's how, that's how we're going to get down on episode 300. It's another deep dive. A deep dive into Fall Brawl 1996 from World Championship Wrestling. The 25th anniversary just passed, I believe, yesterday. As we record this here on okay. Thursday, September 16th. Uh, Wednesday, September 15th. 
was the 25th anniversary of this show. We're going to talk all about it, dive all the way deep into it. But before that, I got to do my weekly check on my man, man, pots and pans. Nick, how you doing tonight, my good brother? Well, love the daughter. This is uh, the soundbite that will probably lose us listeners, so I apologize in advance, but it is my favorite soundbite that we've ever had on the Straight Shooters. In the six years we've been doing this, it's my favorite one ever. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm doing great. Well, I guess not great. I have two hernias, and uh, I'm eventually going to need surgery. So um, I'm happy it's nothing, uh, I guess, more serious, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Look at you gutting it out to still do the podcast. Literally. Man. Two hernias. Yeah. Literally, yeah. <laughs> Two of them, not even one. I got one on both sides. So. Yikes. Interesting. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, at the time when we have surgery, I'm sure we'll let the people know. And, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm probably going to be out for a bit. So, <laughs> depending on how the recovery time is. So, I actually meet with the surgeon next week. So, we, we shall see. We shall see, man. Hopefully, you know, uh, you're not in too much pain while, while you're waiting for surgery. Um, I hope not. I I've never had a hernia, wait. but I, I can imagine it sucks. So I've had it since March. That's when I first felt it. But it's been off and on and uh, not really affecting my daily life until a few weeks ago where uh, it just got too much where I had to go to the doctor and... Uh, set that stuff up and I, I didn't know what it was at first. I, you know, I don't know if it was intestinal or, or what. So got the CT scan, got the results and, uh, I'm almost relieved that it was a hernia nothing, uh, you know, more. And, uh, hopefully surgery is to fix because I mean, I, I'm not going to be able to go through the rest of my life dealing with this without doing something to it. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I'm sure the surgery will be a success. I mean, hernia surgery yeah. sounds like pretty routine. Uh, I'm not a doctor, so don't quote me on that. But <laughs> uh, it should be, you know, hopefully a, a nice, smooth, and easy procedure for you and get you back to 100% sooner rather than later, obviously. That's right. Uh, That's right. But as far as me, I'm feeling good. You know, I don't mm. have uh, double hernias, so I'm feeling <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in constant pain like you are, unfortunately. But. Um, you do you and the Eagles do have one win so far so one and oh hell yeah hell yeah go birds go birds it's, it's a it's a it's a good time right now right now yeah. you know you don't want to you know overdo it but you know right. hey we'll take the dubs when we can get them you know what I'm saying so feeling good about that um, also feeling good about the fact that Big E is the new WWE champion. Which of course happened this past Monday night. Uh, he announced that he's going to he's intending on cashing in beforehand, uh, which I think was from a promotional standpoint a smart move. I know some people are oh what about the surprise? What about the surprise? Well, if you want to if you want to pop a rating or attempt to, because I don't think WWE actually did pop a rating <laughs> on this show. Uh, the third hour I believe did pretty good, which was the hour that Big E was going to cash in more than likely anyway. But the rest of the show, people didn't really care for. Understandable, because why would you care for it? But uh, from a promotional standpoint, though, saying it ahead of time is the smart play, right? 
And not only did he cash in, he actually won, and now he is the fourth black person to win the specifically the WWE Championship. And two of those guys, half of those guys, are now from the New Day, which is pretty wild. Of course, you got The Rock, Kofi Kingston, Bobby Lashley, and of course now Big E. Uh, you got thoughts? Big E being the new WWE Champion? Yeah, I think, you know, it. we thought, well, at least I did, when Bobby Lashley beat the Miz, it was kind of out of nowhere, but then they, uh, you know, it was on a random Raw before WrestleMania, and then they kind of just let him have a pretty good run with it, and I think uh, it's better to do this type of stuff. I know we're so used to seeing it on pay-per-views through the years, but I think TV is more important than ever when it comes to wrestling, and having these moments on TV where literally more eyeballs are going to see it as it happens live uh, was a good play, especially when you had Big E tweet out that he was going to cash it in. So it wasn't, you know, like a dastardly heel move. He was just kind of like, he came out in the beginning of the show and was like, yeah, yeah I'm going to, you know, cash this in. And I know some people out there would prefer like more of a babyface type of cash in for someone like Big E, but uh, Big E's like, He's been around so long that it's all almost felt like a Bobby Lashley winning the title who, who's been around forever. He left WWE and then came back, and it was like sulking in the mid-card and bad angles until, you know, finally they were just like, all right, screw it. But Big E is really like, I don't know the last time he really had that type of storyline or angle that Bobby Lashley had to deal with before his run. Uh, he's just kind of like been so popular and won Intercontinental titles and stuff like that and then won the Money in the Bank and just cashed it in and became champ. So I think he's like always been beloved after his initial run with Dolph Ziggler and AJ Lee and stuff like that. So this is kind of like a unique feeling. Uh, finally having a babyface champion after I know Drew McIntyre held the belt for, for a long time, but you know with fans it's different. And in front of fans we haven't seen like a babyface champion and almost a year and a half or actually over a year and a half now. So uh, I think it was an awesome. Yeah. You know, I thought it was awesome seeing Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston come in the ring and celebrate with them. Just like they did at WrestleMania when Kofi Kingston won it. Uh, yeah, as far as we know right now, Big E's on raw as the part of the new day again as WWE champion. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what they do with him. I know through the, out the years, especially in the early years, we were kind of like, all right, let's see where this goes. Let's see where this goes. And WWE always, they they didn't miss once in dropping the ball with whatever we were trying to just say, especially, I know you were just, all right, let's see it play out. You know, let's see it play out. But I used to be like they, that, but they, but, they, yeah, they lost with me. Yeah, they lost your trust. Of, and nobody would blame me for that. Uh, they lost my trust. and But now is I have that legitimate feeling back of I, I really hope they do good by him and, have him, you know, have a great reign. And, you know, I think it's the perfect person to put it on to keep things interesting. Like, people were bored with Bobby Lashley, even though he had MVP. I mean, I'm bored of Raw to begin with just because it's not a good program. Uh, they have good stuff on it, but for three hours every Monday, it's just not a good program. So I think this might inject some life into it. And uh, I hope I hope I'm right. <laughs> I mean, everybody hopes you're right. Because... <laughs> like, all of WWE shows can use a little jolt of life, a little jolt of energy. Um, but just like Crown Jewel, was that just like Crown Jewel? 
No, 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 not like Crown Jewel at all. Did you hear about um, that, by the way? I did not. What happened with Crown Jewel? <sighs> they already signed the main event. What is it? Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against... Brock Lesnar? Yep. Oh, well, that's not surprising. It's annoying, though. Well, I mean, that's that that feels like <laughs> a Saudi Arabia match. That feels like a match Where Saudi Arabia requested. Like, yeah. We want Brock Lesnar. We want the biggest name we could possibly get. So, Sorry for interrupting whatever. you, but that just... I think they officially announced it about an hour or two ago. So. Oh, really? Yeah. I had to, I was out of the loop for the last <laughs> hour or so. But well, okay, good, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's gonna happen. I don't really care much about those Saudi Arabia shows. We talked yeah. about those in the past. But um, for Big E, this is dope. Like he seems like a like a good dude. He's worked his butt off. Was not like on the independents working his butt off like some guys. But he was a pretty much a straight to WWE guy and worked at his craft and become hella talented man like and the fact that it's just he just seems like good people you know like yeah. biggie you just you yeah. just so happy for the guy it's and like, he can he could get over as this kind of goofy guy who gets serious when he needs to yeah right he, he, and he seems you like, can't go ahead uh, i was gonna say seems like somebody that if you're the most cynical of cynics and you're trying to get like the worst story about Big E, the worst story about Big E is probably, like, he got pulled over for speeding or something. <laughs> like, nothing. Like, right. he's a genuinely good dude who looks out for other people, looks out for his friends, and that's who he is. And it just, like, <laughs> <laughs> it just worked out well for him. Like, yeah. how, like, you would thought that he probably would have been, like, a singles guy a long time ago. But for whatever reason, it didn't work. And he joins New Day, and all of a sudden, it just takes off. And the fact that he can still kind of be himself. Like, I was talking earlier today with uh, a friend of ours on Twitter. I don't know if you, you're friends with him on Twitter, uh, John McMullen. I was talking with him uh, at you know today at practice, the Eagles practice. And we were talking about like how Kenny Omega, who's hella talented, don't, don't ever... Say think that I don't I don't like Kenny Omega especially in the ring, but his character is kind of the goofy kind of playing a character villain right with the, the silly facial hair and the silly outfits and the way he talks, and to me it's like ah I'm not in love with it. But he, then somebody would say, well, what about New Day? They're silly and goofy. He's like, yeah, but that's who they actually are. Like they're not playing characters. Like that's genuinely who they are. They don't feel like they're playing characters. And the fact that Big E can get over as this big guy, where everybody's been saying, if Big E wants to be champion, he's got to change. He's got to change. That's what the old school thinking would be, right? Yeah. Guy that big, guy that strong. He's got to He's got to be a tough They've guy at some point. Pull, pull, uh, pushing that on Talking Smack. Right. Like, they was for sure Miz did. Or, uh, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman like, talked about be serious. Like, okay. New Day was going to be a footnote in his career if he wanted to be a world champion. Like, pretty much what the shield is to Roman Reigns. Right? It's a footnote in all of their careers. Seth Rollins, Moxley, and now Roman Reigns. But it doesn't have to be, apparently. He's bucking all the... All the the stuff that... All the conventional wisdom, so to speak, right? All convention. So that's dope for Big E. Really, really happy for him. And he, he made history. He's forever and ever. No matter what they do with his title reign... Which hopefully you know it's it's productive and you can get some stuff out of it. 
No matter what happens, though, he's always going to be a WWE champion. And he's always going to be a black WWE champion, which there's only four. He's one of yeah. very few people, yeah. you know, to, to say that they, they can do that. They've done that. So that's really cool and historic. But another thing, and I talked about this on Twitter, that I think it's worth a discussion worth having and that the New Day has to be in a discussion for among the greatest factions of all time. Now, somebody asked me, like, well, are they a faction? There's only three of them. I was like, well, I mean, I didn't know there was... I know people kind of have, like, a general unwritten rule about, like, how many people are in a faction. But I don't think we have to even abide by it. Like, we don't have... It's not a steadfast rule that it has to be four and up to be a faction. Yeah, if it's two, that's a tag team. It's not a faction. But I, I think you can start at three for a faction. I mean... When Evolution came back in 2014, there's only three guys. I don't think you just called them a trio. They were a faction for like a couple weeks. <laughs> the Shield, were they a faction? I don't. I mean, I would, I would call them a faction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, weird how you know some people want these certain guidelines in order. Well, they don't qualify for a faction because they have to be four or above. Like, no, like that's not how we're doing this. It's uh, you know, the due day has been a faction since day one, you know, since they were formed. And, uh, I think, and, and I would call the fabulous Freebirds a faction, you know, I would call demolition a faction when they added the third guy. That's just how I am. I, I, I don't understand the right. calling it a tag team just for this, like, cause you're so right. hell bent and putting a line in the sand. Like, does it really matter? Like just say faction. Yeah, it's, it's not, fine. it's not a, it's not a law. <laughs> the NWO was a faction with three guys. Before they added the fourth, so like right before the giant came along, that was yeah. a faction, right? Yeah. So with that said, though, I think the new day have to be in a discussion. I know some people are like that's crazy. They they're not better than DX, not better than NWO or the Four Horsemen. I think they're in a conversation for a damn sure. When you got two of the three members are WWE champions, mm-hmm. and two of them, obviously they're all black, but like. They make up two of the four WWE champions that's ever existed. Which, obviously, side note, that's still a sad number. You know, (laughs) that's only been four in the course of, like, 60 years. But, okay, that's a conversation we've had before. That's another conversation for another day. This is a celebratory occasion, (laughs) all right? But two of the three are WWE champions. And Xavier could be a future WWE champion, could be King of the Ring. I know he wants to win King of the Ring really bad. He could be Intercontinental champion. There's still more to do. I know that you can say, well, the Shield, all three of those guys won titles. Yeah, all three of those guys won the title after they left the Shield. <laughs> like, right? right? Yeah. Once the Shield was done, that's when they won the titles. New Day has won, had all the success, not, not to mention, of course, they're like 10, 11, I don't know how many times they've won tag titles. A bunch yeah. of times. They're the longest yeah. reigning tag team champions in WWE history. And they've been together for seven years. How many groups have that longevity? And that should also be in consideration because, oh, yeah, yeah. D- DX was great. Yeah, the NWO were great, but they lasted three, four years tops. You know, like, right. New Day I mean, has transcended that. Right. They've been together, have longevity for nearly a decade. Uh, they've won a bunch of titles. They have influence, and they've won the two, the most important title, WWE Championship, yeah. mind you. Uh, they have influence outside of wrestling. Xavier Woods is huge in the video game industry, right? That YouTube channel, obviously, up, up, down, down, and he's—I know he was doing stuff with G Four not that long ago, and he's probably still doing stuff with them. 
I mean, they brought Wale into the fold, you know. That you know, that Biggie's song is by Wale, right? They have, you know, they have kind of transcended wrestling to a certain degree. I'm not saying they like the biggest stars in the history of the business, but to a certain degree, right? Yeah, there there are a few that you know maybe a casual fan would recognize, or uh, maybe not even a casual fan, but like uh, because they've been like out there. Uh, right. You know, a non-wrestling fan would recognize. They were those on Wild and Out, which I, they didn't do like a great job on Wild and Out, but they were on that show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they've been out here doing things. I think they're they at least belong in the discussion. Oh, by the way, they've sold a lot of merchandise. If you want to say that, oh, they have a certain number of merchandise. Yeah, they may not have sold as much many shirts as the NWO, uh, but they sold a lot, especially for this time period. You know what I'm and they haven't really gotten stale. People still like the New Day. I know there's always going to be a pocket of a person or two like ah whatever. <laughs> but for me, they're still I still like the New Day. I'm still rocking with them, and I can still go back and watch the old stuff and be like, man, that was funny. Yeah, that's the thing. That it's was like dope. it holds up. It's not passe. Is uh, they try to reinvent themselves when they have to. Uh, or really, they they might reinvent themselves when they don't have to and make it even better. And there, there's been you know moments of that throughout their seven year run now. Uh, it's, it's been one of the craziest runs that you know I've been a part of as a wrestling fan. Just from when it started, and I'm just like, okay, it's like another team, blah blah blah. They are the only really team that's formulated like that that had this run. Like, I loved Evolution, but they're not as good as the New Day. Like, I mean, just because Triple H and Batista were part of it, Randy Orton, like, that was before. Like, we're talking about present day. Like, they're still together with Kofi Kingston and Big E being champions. So, no, I think no that has members. something to do with that. Exactly. They haven't added anyone. I mean, they've had, like, yeah. cameos. I think Kevin Owens is, like, part of it for, like, a week or two, right? <laughs> but that's good because they, like, mentioned it and they, like, they are not trying to hide the fact, like, they're like, okay, yeah, you can be a part of New Day for one week. Like, they right. embrace that. And I think that has so much of a lasting effect where it almost seems like they don't take themselves too seriously. And maybe that's why they're so good and why we should take them seriously as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, last seven fact, years in, in this era? Like, right. unheard of. Unheard of. You'd be lucky to make it a year. Right? <laughs> yeah. Alone seven. But the way WWTV has been this past decade plus, like seven yeah. years, and multiple right. world titles, and then not right. to That's mention stupid. great ta- uh, legendary tag team with their right. run, it, like crazy. Cause when, you, when the New Day first got together, you would have never thought in a million years that, two, uh, that any one of them would win a WWE title, let alone no. two. Two of them win the WWE championship? Get the hell out of here. You were like, they're not even going to be together that long. Right? And the fact that it's not only, you know, okay, you won titles, but like it's elevated. It's pretty much saved their careers. Think about They were dead in the water. All three of those guys were nowhere before New Day. And all of a sudden, they get this group, they get together, they get this stupid name, but now they've made it. It's like, oh, yeah, New Day. It's like normal. Honestly... You can say, like, oh, they backed into Kofi Kingston winning the title, but they kept it on him for six months. And I know the way they took it off him is bad. I'm not going to defend that. 
but they could have just had him lose the next month. I think even we talked about it. There were wrestling fans that were like, okay, they, they gave him the win of Mania, so he's eventually going to lose. But they gave him a run of six months, and I know people got tired of it, but that's wrestling fickle fans that right. I think they're always going to be like that. They're not going to change, uh, especially when they're in that wrestling bubble that you know we've talked about. And they still gave him a six-month run, so uh, you know they didn't have to do that. And that's why I think, like, yeah, they backed into it clearly. But uh, you know, yes, I would have liked a different ending with the whole Brock thing. But as is with everyone, but uh, I mean, like, he had a pretty good run as champion. You know, Kofi Kingston still remembered as a WWE champion, and he won't be remembered as a fluke champion. And I think that's a good thing. Yep, he's a, and forever and ever they can never take it away from him, and they can yeah. never take it away from Big E as well. And I'm glad that. At least with one group, they had to break them up and have them hate each other for these guys to have success individually. This could have happened with the Shield. The Shield could have been rocking strong to this day <laughs> if they just kept them together. Instead, they they felt that this urge to break them up. Now Roman Reigns, I would say he's dope, but it's still it's just it's just, New Day's better off together. They're, they they are just better off together. I, I do have a question for you because okay. Monday night, you know you. you peruse Twitter after Big E win, wins the title, and you see, like, so many people happy for him, black and white, uh, you know, Asian-American, like, doesn't matter what race you are, like, you're happy because Big E is a good guy, and you're a wrestling fan, and you're happy that he won, happy that he got what he deserved. And I see, like, people auto- automatically, like, yeah, they're happy for Big E, but it's almost like it's in bad faith because they com- just tear down Oh, the WWE's been in, you know, what, 50-plus years, and it's only their fourth black WWE champion. Why not just let people enjoy the moment? And I want to kind of ask you about that, because I didn't know if, like, I I would rather listen to a black person than a white person talk about this. Uh, like, it's a celebratory moment. Like, I'm scrolling the timeline, and I'm seeing so many black people happy and stuff like that. I'm happy. But I don't want to see white people be like, oh, let's not forget WWE sucks. Like, I mean, you're kind of bringing that down a little bit, aren't you? Like, I would rather, in that moment, on a Monday night, bask in the glory of it. And that's true. Like like I said earlier, we're not, that's a, it's still a discussion topic. Yes. We can yes. celebrate but, Big E's accomplishment right. for the moment. And then. You know, don't let you still not letting WWE off the hook. Correct. I think it's still worth talking about. Maybe after that moment, that's Biggie's moment, and that's a moment you can never yeah. take away from. Him. That's no one he should never forget. So in that moment, you're happy for him. It's not like when Barack Obama first became president, we were like, "What took y'all so right. long?" We were just like happy <laughs> yeah. that hey, it finally happened that a black person became president. In that moment, the night he got elected, the night he won the election, it wasn't like, "Well, it's about time." <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like, "Wow, this is like." groundbreaking stuff here Big E's moment is obviously not to that level whatsoever that's totally different but what I'm saying is in that moment you can revel in that moment and then maybe the next day you can be like alright WWE right, <laughs> like, right. it's still only the fourth what y'all what was y'all doing before 1999 when the Rock when the, yeah. well, the 98 I should say when the Rock won this like we still not let you up the hook for that that, yeah, and it, look, they're seemingly rectifying it now. They're trying to they're like, okay, here's another one. Like, right, who else can be black WWE champion? Like, <laughs> let's get another one. Like, hey, uh, Carmelo Hayes and NXT, come on up, come on, let's win this title, yeah. baby. Like, and that's and that's cool. I, I'm I'm glad for the progression of things, 
but it still doesn't mean you have to let WWE off the hook per se, uh, because it's still a thing like. Yeah, so it's like a day, a, a day grace period, and then I guess. you can kind of hold their feet to the fire after yeah. the celebratory moment. Because I mean, Monday night it was just like weird. I don't know. It was like weird scrolling the timeline and seeing so many people happy for Big E, and like that's I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a white person, so like that. You know, I'm just happy for the black people that feel represented and people like Big E who are like the salt of the earth and just seeing like people are like, oh, but wait a second. Like, no, not yet. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I was out of a lot like place in, in what, my thinking or I just wanted to be up, happy for the black people who were happy what, that Big what, E won the title. What cracks me up is when WWE or like a WWE account that's not really WWE but like I think the graphic that was posted this time with like Big E being the fourth black champion was like WWE yeah. on BT Sport well it's not a WWE account right yeah but it's WWE's I would assume television partner or something like that like WWE on Fox WWE on USA yeah. or whatever and they had the graphic and it's like they just put like excellence it's like oh black excellence yeah yeah, yeah. but like man we're not going to celebrate the fact that, like, there's only been four. Like, right, right. And what, like, like, 60, 70 years? Right, like, like let's celebrate that he is the the latest, but, like, the, the that lineage should be much deeper. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's just weird. Yeah. It still sucks that that's the case. So, it's it's a bit, um, I guess, conflicting because you want to yeah, celebrate. I, I think, like, right after it, you know, 11, right. 11 10, scrolling the timeline, seeing that, I'm like... I, didn't, I guess I didn't expect if, that. And if I'm WWE or if I'm a WWE-affiliated account, I would not put out the fact that he's only the fourth because that, that's a bad look. Right. Right? Right. At the and end you, you open yourself to social media like I would not right. uh, blame people for holding their feet to the it's fire. Like, like, like what are you kind of like what are you celebrating there? Like, it, It's right. not self-aware in, in a way. It's, li- it's like when the, I think it was the Portland Trailblazers who posted like a day in the life on our social media staff. And it posts like this video, and it's like this behind the scenes, but like it actually hurt them because it was nothing but white people on their staff, <laughs> right? Oh wow, I didn't even see. What was that? This is like maybe a year or two ago. Oh wow, I didn't so even like they didn't, didn't think that. about that. They were like, "Oh, this is just a behind the scenes look at what we do." Wow, but not realizing if it's all white people and everybody's like, "Hey man, how about <laughs> you hire some black people?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying?" So. You gotta tweet is not available. <laughs> right. You gotta all of you gotta think about these things. And that's kinda like if you're an account like that, you gotta think about that type of stuff. Because yeah. I mean yeah. I can tell you right now, running a social media account <laughs> for a team, sports team, we think about the things that people yeah. could perceive to be the case. You don't wanna right. open yourself up to those things or step in it, as we say. You don't wanna step in it. <laughs> and you right? are not an intern, correct? I I get paid intern, cash. Interns do not <laughs> run pro sports accounts no I'm not an intern i get paid money not cash money because i get i got direct deposit but i still get paid <laughs> you know what i'm saying i pay my bills or i'm responsible i have a savings account and everything i got a retirement fund nice building up 401k all right so yes grown man stuff here but you, those are things you think about so i guess you know they got to think about that sometimes when you put these graphics out it's like oh the Black excellence is like yeah, yeah. But y'all choose this, <laughs> like, right, exactly. like people have to strive for it. Like Barack had to win these votes, you know, he had to get these votes. Y'all choose the champion. It's a little different, yeah. so. But yeah, new WWE champion, Biggie, tip of the cap 
to him once again. We got a new NXT champion too, Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, and new NXT period. Yeah, which, which I was a f- kind of a fan of. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, NXT know, needed man. a makeover, man. I was I was done with the Capital Wrestling Center like the third week. I was like, okay, this look sucks. I didn't like it. I didn't like the lighting. Uh, I will miss the yellow ropes, though. <laughs> oh. Well. <laughs> we'll we'll see. I'm not. My hopes are not high. Really? For NXT, it's a damn shame because that was my once upon a time well, my favorite wrestling. See, show. that's like yeah, but a lot of us, and I think it was just because it was a different WWE product uh, that didn't really remind us of WWE, and it was more indie. Uh, Better stories, sure. Better, uh, I mean, like, great wrestling. Uh, I don't know, man. It didn't do anything for him, though. So, like, you know, they, you can't repackage I mean, it, an indie guy that already has, like, is already uh, cemented, you know. And, it didn't do anything for him because they would go to the main roster and they would right. just ruin it. And so not, it's that's like, what I'm man. saying. And I was like, I'm glad this happened because I'm t- I was tired of that happening. And it wasn't changing. So, finally, like, this change... You would be hopeful someone like Rex Steiner's son, Rex Steiner. I'm not going to call him Bron, what's Braun Breaker. <laughs> uh, s- someone like him, he, he's already in the spotlight, and I think that's great. And people, you know, really took to him. Uh, you know, that's what I want to see, like growing and hopefully getting better and actually connecting with the audience and to, to where it doesn't feel disingenuous of like, oh, they're just acting because they're already cemented and they're trying to play a role. No, I want to see like a star that uh, you know embraces it, like Keith Sle- Keith Lee saying, "Bask in the glory." That's all I want to see. I want to see these guys and girls bask in their glory, and the only way like WWE knows how. And I'm, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact WWE's product is WWE's product. I just want to see people connect with the audience. New people come up because the roster, as big as it was, is still stale because they use the same people every week. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm glad. Hopefully, something's changing there. We'll see. It's probably not changing for the better, though. Just don't get your hopes uh, up, Nick. Well, I mean, I'm. I'm they. Did, I hope they change the production. Like, I don't need Kevin Dunn there overseeing everything. But but that's what's happening. But, well, I'm. <laughs> I'm saying like production wise. Like, I want to see these new stars. I want to see Steiner. I want to see uh, these other guys and girls come up and and see what they got. And I like the. See. Arena, the look of the arena is so much better. Time will tell on NXT. In two weeks, 2.0. I'll be tired of it, I'm sure. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe Vince will get tired of it in two weeks. <laughs> He's probably tired know. of it now. Right. You never know. All right, enough of this current stuff. <laughs> Nonsense. Let's take a trip back in time to. September of 1996, September 15th to be exact, to Fall Brawl, WCW Fall Brawl. Nick, you ready to dive into this? Let's do it. Let's do it. Fall Brawl from World Championship Wrestling came to us September 15th, 1996 from the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And Winston-Salem, North Carolina, very a very WCW town and, and venue. And uh, Winston-Salem, uh, you don't usually see Winston-Salem, North Carolina on the on the schedule for a pay-per-view, but at WCW, that is the case. Uh, the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum is the home of Wake Forest basketball 
I didn't know if you knew that. Yeah, it's still standing. Same, same name. Same name and everything. Uh, how about that? Uh, it hosted Fall Brawl from 96 through 99. Oh, wow. So this was like, you know, Winston-Salem was Fall Brawl. That's where they, that's where <laughs> they put it, right? And, and, of course, they had War Games matches from 96 this year through 98. They didn't have one in 99, I guess. Uh, but real quick aside, Wake Forest basketball. These days, not a like top tier program like it used to be, but back in the day, they had some studs. You want to hear some of these studs they had? Let's right wait for us. Yeah, the Demon Deacons, right? Tim Duncan. I mean, come Ooh. on, greatest, arguably the greatest power forward of all time. Tim Duncan, multi-time MVP, multi-time NBA champion. Not, not enough can be said about the big fundamental, right? It's Tim Duncan. How about Chris Paul? Oh, right. Current guard for the Phoenix Suns, right? Future Hall of Famer. Well, love bula, bula, bula. Exactly. You can, if you can, you know, Wake Forest, again, not a, like, uh, not a team that's, like, going to, like, do damage in the NCAA tournament right now, but, like, if you get the top players of all time on the court, like, Chris Paul and Tim Duncan alone could beat probably some top programs. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just saying. Uh, you got Josh Howard. You got Rodney Rogers. Remember Rodney Rogers? He was early 2000s player. How about Ish Smith? He's still in the league. Yeah. How about that? You know Ish Smith? Yeah, former Sixer, right? Pretty sure he's with the with the Wizards now. Well, he was during the last season. Huh. Uh, Jeff Teague. Wasn't Mug- Rodney Rogers a former Sixer, too? Yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah, Muggsy that Bogues. Ah. Muggsy Bogues played at Wake Forest. And Al Farouk Aminu is in the league right now. I think uh, Muggsy Bogues had a uh, a lot of name drops on My Brother and Me. Probably. The Nickelodeon show. Was that around it's the same time true. in the 90s, mid-90s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Muggsy Bogues was a big Kendall, deal. Kendall Gill had this guest appearance on there. Was, <laughs> was Kendall Gill from Wake Forest, too? No, he went to... Didn't Kendall Gill go to Villanova? Okay. Did he? I thought he was at Duke. Oh, was that Kerry oh. Kittles? I don't know what Kendall... Kendall Gill... He, went, he went to a big school, I'm pretty sure. Let me look it up. Okay. He was like, Kerry... Kerry Kittle to think what to fill out. Oh, I remember Kendall, Kendall, Gill. Kendall Gill. DD saying, Kendall Gill? Wow. <laughs> Where the hell did Kendall Gill go? He went to Illinois. Oh, I thought he went to a Big E school. I was wrong. Oh, well. Illinois. Uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why I carry. Why don't Kendall I think Gill he went to Duke? There. I'm probably thinking of Grant Hill. Grant Hill might have Grant Hill went to Duke. Appear- he made an appearance on that show, maybe. Maybe that's yeah, what I'm thinking about. Grant Hill went to Duke. So you're right about that. All right. That knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wake Forest, man. Demon Deacons. But on this night, there were 11,300 people in the building, according to good old Wikipedia. It's a lot, a lot of, of people. people. It's a lot of <laughs> Jinx. How do we both? Like, what? <laughs> it's really not, though, but why would we both say that? <laughs> we complete each other's sentences, Nick. It's called chemistry. We got it. <laughs> right? We got that chemistry. Oh, man. That was good. Well, love that daughter. <laughs> exactly. Telling you, man. They're probably exactly, already sick of it. I'm sorry, listeners, yeah. but you're going to have to right. deal with it. If we lose listeners, it's your fault. <laughs> Letting you know. Uh, of course, this is hot off the heels of the formation of the New World Order. They formed during the summer. And the show starts with a video package. Of all the hell that had been breaking loose since the New World Order formed. And naturally, because the New World Order had been raising all kinds of hell, 
it would lead to a War Games match on this night. There's that. But Nick, before we kind of dig into the show, I got to ask you, where were you in life hmm. in September of 1996? Uh, you know what? I was like headed into sixth grade. So started my sixth grade year. And I believe it was so funny. I think Mind Games was a week or two after this. Uh, the WWF pay-per-view this month, September 96. And it was in Philly, but I didn't go there to watch it. I had ordered it on pay-per-view or whatever. So even though the NWO was hot, I still was only allowed like one pay-per-view a month. And I never got a WCW pay-per-view. But I was watching Nitro more and more. I knew everything that happened to Sting and everything with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of confused. It, the, the landscape in wrestling was changing from what I was used to. And I still wasn't into, you know, football or basketball. I was just kind of watching baseball. And Philly sucked. So, like, they weren't going to the playoffs. Uh yeah, it was just kind of like a weird time frame. I think I was just, uh, you know, starting sixth grade. It, it's tough, man. It's tough. So I don't know what the hell I was doing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the I hell said, I was doing. All that, like two, three minutes of me talking, trying to figure out what I was doing. I have no freaking clue. Well, I'm pretty sure I was starting second grade in 96. I think, yeah, I was seven. Because I just moved to Southwest Philly from West Philly. Now I'm back in West Philly. But uh, we just moved in, I think, June of that year. So, And I'm starting at a new school in the second grade. So, yeah. Things is a little time of transition for me in September of 1996. So a little bit of a time of transition. So that's where I was. I don't remember really much else uh, besides you were, that. <laughs> you were like not watching like pay-per-views at this point no, i wasn't really watching wrestling oh. at this point honestly oh, okay. wow uh you know because 95 wwf just ruined it for for me and wcw <laughs> for that matter uh too 95 wrestling in general gonna edit, but, i'm gonna edit that out no 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 we'll no. leave that in because that's that's how i feel you know that's what happened actually that's fact wait um, you, you you didn't like this Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. I did not. Did that get you pumped up? No. I was watching football. <laughs> <laughs> it got me pumped up. Right? So, yeah, that's where I was Will in September. <laughs> September of 1996. Uh, but here we are. Wake, or not Wake Forest. Winston-Salem, <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> There's no such thing as Wake Forest, North Carolina. <laughs> that's a school name. Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We got Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby Heenan on the call. And they have a pretty entertaining intro to the show. Well, I tell you what, guys. You know, shockwave upon shockwave was delivered at the doorstep of WCW. A lot of words. The NWO seems to be in control. The playing field brain has changed now that Sting has turned and become obviously a member of the NWO. Obviously. War Games will tell the truth 
tonight about WCW? Well, the guys in the back right now are taking bets that this is going to be the NWO's last pay-per-view. And if you think the horsemen are in trouble, this match was created for them. Two rings, a steel cage. You think they're in trouble. Don't ever count the horsemen out in Ric Flair and Aaron Anderson and Luger. I'll tell you one thing. The NWO may have seen their last wrestling match on Earth. On Earth? It was not. <laughs> Narrator, it was not. It, it was not. They don't get put to sleep for good. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like what is going on here? This just cracks me up. It's why why funny. would Bobby even say that a week after like Sting turns on them? Like, right. wait, how is WCW even in a in a like position to do that? <laughs> you know, it's funny that he talked about <laughs> the War Games was made for the Horsemen, right? Yeah. <laughs> When, the, when you look at the history of war games, the horsemen lost all the time in war games. <laughs> they lost in the first, very first war games in July 4th, 1987. They lost the second war games. They lost the third war games. <laughs> right? They lost, they didn't lose the fourth because it was only uh, Arn and Tully in there. It wasn't, you know, all four <laughs> members. But then that fifth war games, they lost that one. <laughs> we come back to the sixth war games, they lost that one. The seventh, they lost that one. The eighth, they lost that one too. The ninth, they lost. And I mind you, these are all like house shows. Like there's probably the Great American Bash tour in '88. And every night when they did the war games and the Great American Bash tour, the Horsemen lost every single night. <laughs> okay, they lost <laughs> what like. 15 out of the first 16 War Games matches, bro. Wow. <laughs> like, if I'm counting wow. this correctly from what I'm looking at. They lost all the time. They actually got one win. Uh-oh. They got one win, it looks like, in 91 at Wrestle War when they beat Sting, Pillman, and the Steiners. Man, they were, they were closing in on the Detroit Lions record. Bro. Like, 0-16. Oh, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Real bad. So this match, I don't know if this match is necessarily made for the Horsemen. It was made for them to lose a lot. <laughs> All right, a whole lot, a whole lot of losses. But they always won the coin toss. Not this year, until, yeah, until this night. Not '96. <laughs> they lost. Oh, they lost '96. Well, you know, we're gonna talk about it. Spoiler: They yeah. lose tonight. Oh, they lost again '97. Yeah. <laughs> They were just losing war games all the time. Mm, mm, mm. So I don't think this match is really made for them. If anything, they was like, please don't put us in war games because we always lose. <laughs> they weren't even scheduled to be in the 97 war games. Well, I mean, maybe they were, but like on TV, they weren't until like the last week. So too funny. They win that thing. Mm. And they lost. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and again. And again. So, but... <laughs> <laughs> Dusty was probably like What the hell is going on here? He was beating him <laughs> in a lot of those matches. <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> Running the big dust. Exactly. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes is doling out bionic elbows to all four of the horsemen. Hey, he Crazy. played he played a huge role in Fall Brawl ninety six. At least for me personally. <laughs> he does. His commentary is worth the price of admission alone. And we're gonna have a lot of we're gonna have a lot of Dusty cameos on this podcast because we love Dusty. I warned him. I warned him all, and I was like, I have a lot. 
You've already heard him a bunch of times. <laughs> With yeah. the Bula Bula Bula, whatever the hell that was. <laughs> a so new fixture on my soundboard. We've got him and Bobby Heenan a lot more. Bula Bula Bula. And what's go. he even saying? I think if you went back and asked us during that night, he doesn't <laughs> even know what he's saying. <laughs> right? He's just saying st- he's making stuff up. I think it had something to do with the translated line or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking about so whatever. <laughs> we kick off Fall Brawl 1996 with a grudge match. Diamond Dallas Page going up against the young upstart and Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavo just joined WCW in May of 96. And he's very still very young in the business. He had only made his wrestling debut in 94. So he's barely two years in. And here he is on paper. I think this is his first pay-per-view match. It might have been. I'm not sure. Either way. Here he is going against DDP. (laughs) He's smoking a cigar. And coming (laughs) out to the fake Nirvana music he didn't have yet. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Uh, Unless he did. And I'm tripping. But I don't remember him having that in 96. When he was smoking a stogie to the ring every night. So... Uh, Chavo whips DDP with a belt at some point. Doesn't get disqualified. <laughs> nope. And Shivani's like, what does this DQ matter anyway? Like, <laughs> like, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it should very much matter, actually. That's why we have these rules. This is an opening match, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Somebody should get disqualified for using the foreign object. Uh, at one point, <laughs> Dusty Rhodes is like, Guerrero, man, he's got the heart of a lion, and they will fight back. And Heenan was like, he could have the heart of the Detroit Lions, and it won't help. <laughs> you know what I thought about clipping that, but I decided not to. But that I laughed at that line. And that was good. That was a good one-liner by uh, Bobby Heenan. Who, um, the Lions, I think it was Lions, 96, this is September 96, that they're starting the new season. Yeah. But you know how the 95 season ended? The I, Lions? I, you know, give me a reminder. It was in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, what was the final? Oh, we st- I know we dropped 50 on them. <laughs> I know that much. That oh, I thought you had it, like, pulled up. I you had no, it I don't, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a uh, it was good for the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man, wildcard playoff at the vet. 58 to 37. Wow. Good Lord. So, whatever, hey, they lucked out. Their defense sucked that day. but <laughs> they We dropped 58 points in the playoff game. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> wearing the white jerseys at home, by the way, which we wore pretty much the whole season. Yeah. I remember the visual of the game. I just don't remember the exact score. I know we rolled up a lot of points. I knew that much, but 58 points. That's just ridiculous. In a playoff game? Wild stuff. Mm. Either way, <laughs> uh, back end fall brawl. Uh, he is still going on about the Guerrero family. He says they're all they're all a bunch of quitters. I heard they're a family of quitters. And that the dad got laid off fourteen times in one week or something like that. Like what? How does, well, that make him a that, how does that? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, at one point, DDP hit a really super dope spinning sit-out power bomb, which I was like, oh, mm. like it wasn't a blue thunder bomb because it didn't like hold him up in the air for too long, like the blue thunder bomb. It was just a spinning sit-out powerbomb. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that in 96, but here we are. I thought it was dope. Uh, but the match itself, it was good. It was fine. Yeah. It wasn't overly exciting, but it was good. Yeah, and, def- like, 
you know, it didn't matter really who they put in the opener. It always seemed like a good match to get the crowd going, and this was no different. Yeah, it was fine. It wasn't like, like I said, I mentioned the spinning sit-out powerbomb, and that was dope. But, like, everything else was just, like, it was solid. You know, it was decent. It wasn't, like, to the, like, the energetic pace that you see from other, you know, some of the Cruiserweight matches yeah. they would have open the shows. Mm-hmm. But it was still, like I said, a solid match. DDP picks up the win over, again, the young upstart and Chavo Guerrero Jr. We move on to 13 minutes and 7 seconds. I actually oh. clipped I clipped the uh, times. How about that? There you that? go. Okay, I didn't know it lasted that long. 13 minutes? Yeah. Oh. Crazy. It is. But we move on and from I, that. By We're the backstage. Way, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I was still surprised DDP wasn't part of the NWO at this point. I figured that was just a natural fit because that would have been fine, but you know, I'm the way they went with him actually made his career, I think. Like, yeah, it was great. So, kudos to Eric Bischoff for holding holding out on that. <laughs> you got to think of like the guys who like who didn't join the NWO at least in WCW. They stood out more. Like in hindsight, yeah. like DDP stands out, Goldberg stands out, and Booker T stands out. Even though Booker T joined the WWE, nobody cares about that. Though, that was like for like a <laughs> cup of coffee. That does not count. <laughs> right, that doesn't really count. But he like wore the shirt one night and <laughs> like. <laughs> Right, but those guys really stand out. Sting, I mean, Sting did join. Never mind, take that back. But those guys really oh. stand out. Does that even count? Because it was the babyface Wolfpack. Oh yeah, the Wolfpack. Oh but god, whatever. Yeah, whatever. That's how I feel <laughs> about that too. So moving on, we're backstage with Harlem Heat, Colonel Parker, and Sherry Martell as they're doing the computer chat, which is you know the computer chat, the AOL <laughs> yeah. chat. Which is like the, all the rage in the mid '90s for these wrestling shows. They had Copy to show, <laughs> right? They had to show a wrestler sitting down in the computer, typing or not really type, having somebody type for them uh, in the chat. And the funny what, part is, I could not care less because yeah, I had a computer, but I didn't use it at the time. <laughs> like, it just—it's just so funny that was the wave, like yeah. in the mid '90s. Yep, every single pay per view, you would get a shot from WWF and WCW. A guy sitting at a table, either slowly typing himself or somebody typing for him. And in this case, the guy that was typing for him, for Harlem Heat, they was cussing him out for some reason. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Probably making typos. Right. Which is, you know, come on now. We ain't got time for that. Moving on from that, we go to Gene Oakland, who has a special report recapping the attack that has been happening on WCW or to WCW since may they called it just just the attack yeah <laughs> right and the attack is of course in reference to scott hall kevin nash jumping ship to wcw being the outsiders and of course hulk hogan jumping to the dark side forming the nwo and everything is all the hell that has broken loose since that happened again <laughs> a lot of hell broke loose including raymond still being lawn darted into the side of a trailer uh and people getting spray painted left and right they spray painted the title, you know, the, the world title, just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. This is real crazy for 1996. So, but after that, all that exciting stuff, we get a submission match between Scott Norton and Ice Train. If you look at one Let's match go. that probably no one has a memory of, not a soul, the most diehard of fan has no memory of. It's probably Scott Norton versus Ice Train. Let's go. I'm ready. Like, 
you could talk to the most diehard fan. They were like, yeah, I remember that match. I rem- I remember this match. I remember seeing this match in, you know, 97 in Germany or whatever. Like, <laughs> this has to be the most, like, anonymous like or forgot forgettable match. Just from the name value and it actually what happened. It's like nothing of like nothing consequential happened at this. Like it was just Well Scott Dust- Norton versus Ice Train on pay per view. Dusty Rhodes happened. That's what I took from this match. What did he say? A lot of things. Especially this. Right here now, this ma- this matchup right here, guys, this has been brewing. Everything <laughs> tonight has been brewing. Uh, brewing. Submission <laughs> with these two big guys, arms like tree trunks, <laughs> chest as big as the Grand Canyon. And one of them got to submit. One of them got to submit. <laughs> Love this and Dusty. I was watching this with the ca- closed caption on, and when he was like, everything has been brewing. You know how they spelled that on the caption? B R U I N. Bruin. <laughs> Bruin. Bruin. Even he could, even he, I guess, messed up the closed caption. Or is oh, that I'm sure. That, so I'm sure. Too funny. Too funny. I mean, Dusty had a. He, he, he mentioned that these guys are two like jacked up dudes. It's like, yeah, like if I had a submission match, I would not put these two guys in it. No. <laughs> like that's not what I was expecting <laughs> when I saw a submission match and it was like Scott Dorton and this Ice Train. Fire and ice explodes. Match. Oh my god. Yeah. The thing was it wasn't really like a submission match per se. It was like an I quit match. Because yeah. they had the microphone and he was asking the guy, Do you quit? But the thing was the microphone either didn't work or something because <laughs> it wasn't you couldn't hear him throughout the arena and then the microphone didn't even come into play in the finish. Scott Norton just tapped out. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Like, why do they have this microphone? For this. Let's listen in. Bro, if you didn't know that was wrestling, you'd be someone, like, what are they Someone's going to press play on our podcast, fast forward to that moment, and be like, what the hell am I listening like, to? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> A lot of panting. It was like Bob Backlund had a better sell when Roddy Piper was like, "What do you say?" He's like, "That was a better sell than that." That was bizarre. Uh, I, I noted that Ice Trey was with Teddy Long. I almost didn't recognize Teddy Long. Like he put on some weight. Yeah, yeah, he was big in his WCW days compared to almost, his WWF days. Almost that, didn't recognize him. Yeah, like even when Teddy Long was a referee in WWF, he had lost so much weight. And I remember I actually had like a card when Teddy Long was the manager for Doom, <laughs> Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. And I had like one of those trading cards and he was in it. And I'm like, damn, like he was, he must have lost a ton of weight. And this was like when he showed up in WWF because, you know, at this point, like I was watching WCW but not really paying attention to Teddy Long. But yeah, you could definitely tell the difference. Like he, he was a lot bigger in his WCW days. Yeah, especially on this night. So I was like, who is that? Oh, that's Teddy Long? What? Like, <laughs> no, legit, almost didn't recognize him. Um, the thing about this was, like, obviously, this, they were tag team partners, and this is, like, them exploding or whatever. Ice Train actually did an interview earlier this year uh, where he said that he and Scott Dorton didn't get along in real life. <laughs> like, not, not just on screen, but also in real life. But that's mainly because Ice Train was just a little younger and kind of immature to the business. 
and he didn't really want to be in a team. You know, and he says in hindsight, like he would have, he sh- it should have worked. Like they should have been a dope tag team, but because he wanted to be on his own, he just didn't really give it a chance. And he probably didn't treat Scott Norton with the respect that he deserved at that point, which I think is, you know, kind of okay. That's kind of reflective of, of Ice Train to be like, yo, I wasn't yeah. in the right frame of mind for it to even have a chance to work. So, yeah, and it's not like Norton was a nobody. Like he had already, he definitely torn Japan, you know, throughout his WCW tenure. So he's a star that people respect. And, you know, I guess if he didn't get that respect, he didn't give it. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But Ice Train picked up the win on this night. Uh, thanks to an assist from Teddy Long and a full Nelson that, again, Scott Dorn just tapped out. Didn't say anything in the microphone. Just tapped out. Well, it would have been interesting if it ended like this. He has no advantage knocking him out because he can't quit if he's unconscious. <laughs> Not unless you're a good ventriloquist. <laughs> a what? A what? A good ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot say ventriloquist. Like it ain't going to happen here. It ain't gonna happen here. I and I love how he like explained the definition. <laughs> Rantulagus. I, I think he realized he can't say it. Like his mouth just can't. Listen, I used to not be able to pronounce the word girl. I would have to say gal, and I could not girl? say like, girl. Yeah. When I was younger, I could not say the word girl, and I think it wasn't until like first. I mean, I was young, so it was like first grade, second grade. I was able to say it, but mm-hmm. I would try to say it, and I would just be gal. Like gal, interesting gal. So yeah, when uh, I hear people say gal, I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chair no more. <laughs> that's weird. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm not denying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna move on from that then. Let's to what they call the Mexican Heavyweight Championship match between Juventud Guerrera and Conan. Which it was really though. The AAA America's Heavyweight Championship. Mm. So Did you thing, know Conan has a podcast? Did you know that? Yeah, Keeping It 100. I don't listen, but I, I'm aware of it. So I got a DM from Conan last <laughs> week saying, do you listen to my podcast? And I felt bad because I, I don't. And I tried to be like, oh, like I haven't really listened to podcasts recently, but I'll definitely give yours a look, whatever. I literally thought we were having a conversation. Conan DMs literally everybody asking if they listen to his podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> I I saw this on the timeline on Twitter. Emil J had uh, quote tweeted something that said, I have a podcast with like a smiley. And he quote tweeted that with Conan and everyone's DMs. So I was like, wait a second. So I did a, <laughs> I did a search and people are posting screenshots of Conan DMing them. If they listen to his podcast, same exact message he sent me. I <laughs> thought me and Conan were having like a legit conversation, and it probably was. Like if he probably was, but he just spams everyone with that direct message. This, this is thing. bizarre information. He <laughs> <laughs> never DM me with my DM, Conan. <laughs> uh, maybe it's in your spam. I don't know, but um, you know, <laughs> I, I tried to sell him on Shooters Radio. Man, I tried to be like, hey. I'm, <laughs> I appreciate I like, that. I was like, I got my own podcast if you want to ever take a listen. We do deep dives right. on old WCW stuff. <laughs> maybe you can come I mean, on our show. Maybe right? we can go on your show and have, and a, you know, we can be friends said, after that. He said in five weeks, he's going to give me a shout out on his podcast. 
five. He literally I said have, that. He did. Listen, I'll send you the screenshots, man. Uh, five weeks. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he has a list of people, and I, I'm on the week number five or something. I don't know. This but. is bizarre. Yeah, it's, this is uh, the most bizarre thing. I did not expect and this. It, it was funny because the timing of everything and the fact that he was on Fall Brawl '96 that I needed to mention it because I thought I was having a conversation, but I was hoodwinked, bamboozled, <laughs> led astray. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was legit having a conversation with Conan about podcasts, but that's wild. Yeah. I'll still listen that's, to your podcast, man, Conan, well, if, you're, if you're listening to mine. Yeah, do you listen to our podcast, Conan? <laughs> Slide in your DMs. Do you listen to us? Uh, and then he sent me the same exact message. Like, he copied and pasted a message. So, I definitely knew it wasn't real. It was like, <laughs> I think, he was like, where do you, where are you from? Uh, where are you representing? I said, the great city represent? of Philadelphia. And then the next, I get a DM the next morning. Where are you from? Where are you representing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. My dog is upset, too. K dog for real man. Hey, he's bugging the K dog. <sighs> My girlfriend just came home from playing kickball, and that's why nice. the dog is going crazy. Jeez. In the middle of my podcast, getting any home runs? She got walked. I know that much. She texted me. Yeah. She got she got on base. So nice. She's like a Barry. She's like Barry Bonds. You know what I'm saying? There you go. She got walked. Give her an air horn for that one. Exactly. And we'll give her. Oh my god. <laughs> Again, <laughs> with Dusty. I think that's like the fifteenth time. <laughs> so more about Conan, because <laughs> before he was DMing you randomly, uh, it was weird to see him. He didn't even follow dis- me. I have open DMs. What the hell, Conan? Come on, Conan. This is weirder than you being <laughs> thugged out gangster in a dungeon of doom. Cause he walked out on this night it, with it, the du- with like his like K dog gear, pretty much, you know. Yeah. He's a cholo. And then he comes up the Dungeon of Doom music. <laughs> <laughs> this don't fit. <laughs> Something's wrong here. So, but the, the interesting thing about this whole match is that this, like I said, was a Triple A America's Heavyweight Championship, which we did not see. On this night, there was no title belt. I didn't see a belt. Did you see a belt? I wasn't paying attention, but it wasn't around <laughs> his waist. I no, like, I didn't Jimmy see a title Hart belt. It, so, uh, but this belt was like it was pretty much Triple A's secondary title. Yeah, but Conan kept it when he left the promotion to work for WCW full time. But it was supposed to be a Triple A's top title before he left, but it didn't get turned into a secondary belt or something like that. It was weird. Yeah. Either way, there's only been, there was only two champions of this title. <laughs> Conan was obviously one of them, and you know, and the other was a Mexican wrestler. His name escapes me right now. But it's my does dog. that Mexican wrestler have a podcast? Uh, I don't think so. He might in Mexico. I, I, I'm unaware. But <laughs> it was just weird that we didn't have a title belt. It wasn't actually the belt that. They called it. They called it the Mexican heavyweight title. It was just, yeah, just bizarre stuff. Yeah, the whole time, whole way around. But the match itself was good. Conan was tossing around Juventud all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know that was fun to see. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't that fun for Juventud to get tossed <laughs> around, but it seemed fun for from me as a viewer. 
<laughs> the one thing I liked about this match was obviously Mike Tanay. He's there to you know to be the the lucha kind of lucha libre insider. Um, but one thing he was explaining was that like Conan or Tanay was explaining Conan's style of dress, style of attire, because of course he's you know he's rocking the the flannel and the baggy jeans and the tank top, and it's like yeah. He thought that, like, people thought that Conan was being more Americanized. And Conan was like, apparently, like, no. Actually, this is me t- returning to my roots. When I first got to the States, they tried to Americanize me, <laughs> right? <laughs> they were being weird to me. And this is me going back to what I am or what my, who my people are. I thought that was interesting. Huh. So... I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. No, but that's kind of cool that they uh, explain things, you know, like that just doesn't happen anymore. It's like a little thing that means so much when you're like, you're like, oh, like watching it and you're being explained. Like if you, Conan was wearing like tights at Bash of the Beach 96 and I don't remember if he was at Hogwild, but this is like, you know, two months later after losing the U.S. title to Ric Flair at Bash at the Beach. And he's like a completely different character. And they're kind of like, if you didn't really, if you were like a casual fan, you're like, oh, man, this guy looks so different. But they're like explaining to you why. I love that. Like, that's why I love WCW. They paid attention to those small details so often. Until yeah. like 98. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then things went off the rails. Uh, at one point, we get Conan, who again, he was tossing around Juventudo over the place. He power bombed Juventudo on the floor. Yeah, which is pretty that, wild, well, right? Man. Even by today's standards, it's pretty wild. They were stiff too. They were like, but they were doing it. Yeah, like it looked like it hurt. Yeah, <laughs> like legitimately. Um, but after the power bomb, Jimmy Hart, who was managing Conan, which is again another little odd thing that happened here. Uh, Jimmy Hart, because he was managing guys in the Dungeon of Doom, I assume. Yeah. Uh, which rhymed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he turns to the camera and attempts to, to mimic Conan by saying Viva La Raza. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, he says, Arriva La Raza. And it's like, <laughs> Jimmy Hart. Well, That's not. You're doing better off saying that. Because <laughs> what he said oh, was like Jimmy, Jimmy. I remember Lavasa. He laughed. Come on, baby. I remember Lavasa. It's like what? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Your Jimmy Hart is like the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> hey, baby, this is Jimmy Hart, baby. The man from the south, Jimmy Hart. You listen to the Bourne Johnson and Nick McCone of the Street Shooters, baby. Yeah, baby. Hulk Hogan's my best friend. Did you know that? <laughs> I love Jimmy it. Hart. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> it's just funny. I like, I like He's probably on Twitter, Twitter going on DMs. Do you know Hulk Hogan's my best friend? Like, <laughs> Conan, do you like my podcast? Like, <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom or like the Dungeon of Twitter DMs. The, oh, wow. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank, DMs. Thank, thank you very much. Hey. Are you going to yourself a round of applause? Yeah. No, that was you, right? You, you had the soundboard. Oh, I clicked it accidentally. <laughs> right, you did. Before it was that was an abrupt end to the, to the applause. Whatever. Very organic uh, applause <laughs> yeah. there. 
Editing. Um, <laughs> Conan wins the match, though, at the end of the day. Uh, he retains like his our, Mexican heavyweight championship. Yeah, by hitting like a razor's edge type of move from the middle rope. Yeah. They called it a power drop, but it looked like a razor's edge to me. Yeah. But uh, I didn't know if you had any other thoughts about this. No, I think uh, you know, during this match, Mike today had it mentioned uh, he has an interview on the WCW hotline with Eric Bischoff, and this was before Bischoff turned to the NWO and uh, said that it, the interview addressed the Hall and Nash rumors, uh, which meant WWF had already brought them up on their TV. Jim Ross was going to bring back Razor and Diesel and stuff. So it's interesting that today uh, threw that in there a little bit, the WCW hotline plug, because uh, Gene Oakland wasn't here. <laughs> he had left, uh, you know, he, for a couple months because his deal was up, and then he wound up coming back a few weeks, like a, like a month or two later. But yeah, like mm. today was like the new Gene Oakland at this point. Yeah, because he was doing all the backstage interviews, like you said, which was odd to see. Because, like you said, you're used to seeing Gene Oakland do it, and I don't remember yeah. Tanay being a backstage guy at any no. other point in his career. And the greatest thing about this is, and I have this clip later. Is Ric Flair when he's doing his back like promo backstage with the Horsemen and Luger? He calls him Gene. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like Mike today's back there, but he's like, "You hear that, Gene?" <laughs> like, but it's Mike today, man. <laughs> like, different white guy. <laughs> all just white guys look alike. <laughs> we all do. Yeah, we're all ugly as hell. According so. to Ric Flair, they all look alike. <laughs> <laughs> we moving on to. Another, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a grudge match, I believe. Saturn? Is that Saturn's music? Scott Steiner's uh, music? Yeah, pretty much. Scott Steiner. He was not on uh, this show. <laughs> Scott Steiner coming out with, what's his name? Braun Breaker? Two Ks? Yeah, yeah two Ks. What the hell? Uh, Somebody said, like, hey, I'm going to play I, some Two K, and they hurt Miss Heard and put Two <laughs> Ks in his name. I'll tell you, though. I like them on screen, so we'll see what they do with them. His name is trash, though. That name has to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That name has to go. <laughs> yep. Period. It's like Techno Team 2000 bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad. Well, oh, boy. <laughs> Moving on to the next match. It is Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit. And we just talked about a couple weeks ago. During our SummerSlam 2000 deep dive, and that Jericho and Benoit faced each other a lot in the year 2000 into 2001. Here they are, yeah, four years prior, once again on pay per view, but this time in World Championship Wrestling. How about that? It was kind of an interesting time period. Like Jericho wasn't, you know, like he was just kind of like a talent. He wasn't developed yet, um, and Benoit was like a horseman, but. Yeah, it was just a lot different than four years. Yeah, the didn't they say at one point this is his first uh, WWE pay per view? Yeah, yeah. Which is funny. We we saw his first WWF pay per view at SummerSlam 1999. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Another cheap plug for our archives there. Um, so go check that out. But here we are, his first WCW pay per view, and it comes out with the worst theme music of all time. I hate it, Chris Jericho's theme music. It's, like I, it's better than it's better than hearing break the walls down. Like that's true. <laughs> in ninety six, ninety seven, yeah. you hear break the walls down. Yeah. But his music. Why did they give him that music? It sounded like it some some music. crappy that, that was WCW. upbeat music from the eighties. 
That was WCW. The, the no, NWO music was part of the Turner catalog. Like it's crazy the the music they had, and they just used it because they wouldn't have to pay for it. But that music, that music, that particular song, this upbeat '80s montage music. Come on, hell yeah! No, 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 hell yeah! Like you knew who had better music? Benoit. Uh, I liked his song. I don't know why. <laughs> like it was kind of like kind of dance to it. Yeah, yeah, I bounce to pretty it. Good. I liked it uh, before they had to change it to the Four Horsemen music, and it was like the generic Four Horsemen music. I liked his uh, WCW theme. Yeah, I liked it too. We don't like Benoit, but I like his theme music. <laughs> the only redeeming part about his uh, name, his theme music. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing. Mm. Um, this is a good hard hitting match. I mean, Benoit back suplex Jericho yeah, out of the ring. That, that was in this time frame. If I was watching that pay per view, I think that would have been the first time I ever saw that because I always saw like wrestlers tease a suplex outside of the ring, but it never happened. And it was obviously mostly WWF TV. But seeing that, you know, '96, like what? <laughs> I would have been like out of my mind. If yeah, I that saw was that not. Live. That was not normal for 1996. Well, not normal today. You don't see guys get back no. suplex out of the ring. No. That's probably stuff you only saw in Japan because they just didn't give a damn. It's like they don't even do it. each other around. You know, Benoit didn't really do it safely to try like lead Jericho to a safe landing. Like Jer- it was up to Jericho to land like without hurting <laughs> himself. You know, <laughs> you on your own player. That, that's basically toss him out. Yeah, that's basically how WCW was back then. It's like I'm going to do this, and you just have to like protect yourself. Like it wasn't. It what didn't seem like a lot of the wrestlers protected each other when they were doing these moves. Because uh, a lot, there was a lot. I'm sure there were so many concussions that, you know, we just don't know about. I guess. Maybe. Or, you know, maybe not. I'm not, don't want to focus on concussions, but like, you know, busted elbows or knees or yeah. like thighs, stuff like that. That, you know, they would be back in the ring the next night on Nitro. Super Kalo had a match. You know, uh, he faced Mysterio on this night. Great match. He had a match the next night on Nitro. It's like crazy. Just crazy. Did he get hurt on his night? No, uh, he, like just the crazy moves they were doing, and it was like he played, he uh, oh, yeah, faced yeah. Mysterio, and like just he would jump from the ring to the floors. Like what? Like how are you standing right now? <laughs> like just nuts. It was nuts. Uh, like I said, this match was good and hard hitting. Um, at one point, uh, Bobby Heenan says, "If the if the guy, if the right guy got a hold of Jericho." So if the right guy got a hold of him, meaning Jericho, he could make a he could make he could make that guy a lot of money. Mm. He was right. He was. It just so happened that man was Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now Tony Khan. So Yeah. So I don't know if they saw that coming back in nineteen ninety six. Mm. Uh but again, good hard hitting match. Uh probably the best match on the show from Bell to Bell. And Benoit came out to Victor with a back suplex from the top rope. To yeah, win the match, not even. And I love that too. It's like okay, not every match needs an end and a finisher. Like I like that about WCW too. Like it, that's what makes it more real. Like you don't need a finisher every damn match. You just need a good finish and a believable finish. That was a believable finish. It was, and the and announcers I, were putting over Jericho big. Yeah, even though he lost, like oh he's gonna be a star. Yeah. He's a great guy, great yep. wrestler, blah blah blah. Like you could tell they were trying to get him over big on. On commentary, uh, especially after the match, uh, in defeat. 
And I love this abdominal stretch scene. And that's a good point of the elbow right now. Rib cage shoot that's already stretched out. Abdominal stretch, if you will, as Tony Chivana. So, so, uh, how you say? Think of a word. Expertly. Think of a word. <laughs> Keith, help me out, brother. Whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to get what he's going to say yeah, next. No. Ever. Well, no you know what is. I meant. You know, expertly. I wasn't going to say nothing bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, a lot of bad things are happening to Chris Jericho. How about this? He's ragtagged Chris he's Jericho ragtagged right now. He ragtagged him. And there'll be a lot of clubbering when that cage is lowered, won't there? <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you clubbing. We're talking Harlem Heat and Aston Bar. You better get ready. <laughs> clubbing, right? He just right? threw that in there. Right, he just I threw it in it. there. They're still coming it. up, man. You got to promote the other matches, too. <laughs> Just in case, you know, you you hear you, and you're watching the pay-per-view when you call a friend that's not watching it, be like, yo, Harlem Heat, nasty boys. <coughs> oh, oh, yo, yo. Order it. Order it. I forgot. <laughs> Let me get the $20 real quick together. So. I uh, love Dusty, man. <laughs> yeah, I love, love Dusty Woods. Love him to death. I mean, honestly, love him. <laughs> like, it's the best. He is. Like, he's the best. Probably... <laughs> One of the best parts of watching WCW from this time period is listening to Dusty Rhodes' commentary. <laughs> and it's been a and while sounds, for us since we went to WCW. Right. So I'm in it's my like element right now. I'm in my element right now. It's like I forgot it's like how good he was on commentary, how entertaining he was. He would just yeah. say stuff and just react. <laughs> Whoa! He ragtagged him. Or was it he uh, walloped him or something like that? What did yeah. he say that one time? <laughs> yeah, the Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc? <laughs> yeah. He weeble bow legged or something like uh, that. The, the, <laughs> Wobble leg, the wobble leg. Yeah, the wobble leg. He wobble legged him. He said he bow legged him. So yeah, love Dusty Rhodes. But moving on to the WCW Cruiserweight Championship, it is Super Calo challenging the champion Ray Mysterio, who was only twenty-one years old at this wow. point. Twenty-one. Wow. He's the cruiserweight champion of the world. He turned 22 in December of 96. He's barely old enough to drink here in the United States. But he's already one of the most exciting wrestlers to watch in the world by this point. Like, I'm unreal at times. And I'm going to talk about more about that in a little bit. Uh, what what I didn't like, though, I still I'm mention it every time. His theme music sucked so bad. Why did they give him that music? I understand this in the Turner Library. Yeah. They didn't have anything more exciting in the Turner Library, bro. Guess not. They gave him like they gave him this super serious like Bruce Willis yeah. movie theme music. Like, what is yeah. this? <laughs> this is this a Steven Cigar so. movie or is this Ray Mysterio, the most exciting, colorful wrestler there is? Let's give him the oh, the theme song to Friday the Thirteenth. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not that's not how you do this. No, not. But let's talk, let's spend a little time talking about his opponent on this night, Super Calo, <laughs> who had a very interesting look. And I, know, I was wondering, like, why he has the hat, he has the shades, kind of mask thing going. Who he was only twenty five at the time of this match. Wow. They mentioned it on commentary, I believe. Um, and this was his first pay per view in the United States, according to Tanay. Uh, but his name actually comes from a group, like a rap group in Mexico called Calo. They actually gave him, they said that on the commentary, they gave him the name in the ring in Mexico. So that's why he had the, the hat kind of attached to his mask and the shades. Like That look came from the group. So there's that. 
I was I was curious nice. why he looked like that. I was like, oh, I'm glad they explained that here on commentary. Definitely set um, himself apart from the other cruiserweights. Yeah, and he didn't really work like him neither. Like he right. he had a, a move or two he would leave leave his feet for. For the most part, though, he was a he was you know ground and pound kind of guy, work on submissions and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but the one high flying move he did do was crazy. He did the springboard senton to Mysterio outside of the yes. ring. Yes. But he also did a springboard head scissors from the top rope. Yes. That was pretty cool. You don't see too many springboard head scissors even these days. So that Mm -hmm. was pretty dope. Um, And but even though Super Calo is pretty athletic, Rey Mysterio is like in another class Mm -hmm. by himself. Like he just made springboard moves look effortless. Like it took no energy to do them. He that definitive. Comes when he did like a double springboard. He did a springboard from one ring because, of course, it's a war game, so they have two rings. One ring to the other, springboarded off the second rope again, and then hit like the West Coast. Well, they didn't call it a West Coast pop, but they hit the West Coast pop to pick up the win. But going from one, springboarding from one ring to the another is just ridiculous. And he made it look easy. He could have easily yeah. slipped and fell on that second on that second top rope. I said he just boing right off of that. Especially with those ropes, which are like They're not cable. real ropes. Yeah. Like if you land wrong, like they're hard enough to where your whole tra- trajectory would be off. He'd right. fall. He's, fall- he's falling flat on his face. Yeah. Instead, he bounced right off and perfectly landed on Kylo to hit the move to win the match. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Like, that's, that's by today's standards, that's hella dope. And Mysterio, I mean, I don't know if he gets talked about enough for how incredible he was to watch when he was younger. I mean, he still can do some stuff today, obviously. Not as much as he could do. But 21, 22-year-old Rey Mysterio was unreal. I mean, he was... I I know he gets his due. He gets his due for being, like, the most recognizable, arguably, luchador of all time. Him and, like, El Santo. But I don't know. We really appreciate just how freakishly talented he was. I definitely did it at that time. So when we go back and watch these shows, I'm just like, wow, how did I not think that was special? But I was a kid. You know, kids don't think that way because they still have grown up to do. But, you know, I, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, like, why didn't I watch, like, every one of his matches on TV? Because <laughs> I, would, I would just be like, I was a pro WWF guy, so I didn't really care. But it's absolutely was- amazing. He was ahead of his time, bro. Like what he could do, and like I said, he made it look effortless. Is is just he's just stupid when he the stuff he could do in the ring. <laughs> um, so we come out of this luchador match. We saw some high flying moves and some acrobatics, and then we go to the exact opposite with the next match: WCW World Tag Team Championship Harlem Heat <laughs> with Colonel Parker and Sherry Martell defending against the Nasty Boys. Nothing but punches and kicks in this match. Clobbering. <laughs> Clobbering, <laughs> like Dusty said. Uh, the exact, this is big change of pace, big 180 from the last match. Um, but one thing I always found funny, you know, Harlem Heat, you know, obviously Booker T, Stevie Ray, not from Harlem, they're from Houston. Um, but they were built from Harlem because, you know, Harlem Heat, perfect name. But it's like, what's a rough neighborhood? You know, Harlem, okay, yeah, yeah. But I always found that they would build from 110th Street in Harlem, which is an actual street in Harlem, 110th Street. Um, 
but they really didn't. They, none of the people who thought about this had ever been to 110th Street. <laughs> like, nope. They heard that in a song by Bobby Womack called Across 110th Street. It's like, hey, let's build them from there. <laughs> like, I was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. So from 110th Street to Harlem, it's, it's Harlem Heat. There you go. There's your little history lesson there. Across 110th Street, great song, by the way, by Bobby Womack. I don't know if you're familiar. No. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Check it out. You can learn where Harlem Heat is from. <laughs> <laughs> Across 110th Street. <laughs> I always found that funny, though. They built them from there. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> the next part, though. I hope you had a clip of this. Because it's Dusty Rose reacting to Harlem Heat's pyro. Oh, no. I, you don't I have heard a clip it. Of this? I, I did not clip it. Oh, my God. He's oh, man. <laughs> this is fantastic. When he when Hall of he comes out and they throw up their pyro and it's all flames, and of course the, the announcement position is right by the stage. Dusty's like, "Whoa, whoa, my God!" <laughs> just can't handle it. He's like, oh, "Since my eyebrows off, baby, like, can somebody holler pyro or something? Somebody holler something!" Like he just couldn't handle it. It was great. Yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to leave him up here. Yeah. So, again, love Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> love him. And he was, uh, you know, the closest to it. You know, when you see he the, was. the uh, announce table and the hard cam, he's, he's sitting closest to the aisle. So. <laughs> Unfortunately for Dusty. Yeah. <laughs> sitting right next to it. Uh, but the match itself, again. Uh, he didn't say that when the pyro went off. Lord Jesus. He <laughs> said. He said, "What the hell is going on here?" Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, the match itself was just a straight-up brawl. I mean, these guys are beating the hell out of each other. You know who else is dishing out a beating? Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> she was yeah. beating the hell out of the nasty boys. She was. <laughs> she, she, she's whooping ass out there. Dude, it was kind of funny. Nailed. Was knobs in the head like legit <laughs> with the cane? Legit, I was like, "Damn!" Yeah, she did hit him like legitimately in the back of the head with that cane. Yes, like, holy crap! When they slowed it down on the replay, because yeah. uh, spoiler, she hits knobs in the back of the at after interfering no less than a dozen times in this match. <laughs> this time, she actually comes through with the cane, hits him in the back of the head, and Harlem he picks up the win. But when they replayed, you can see like she actually hit him in the back of the head, and that cane broke. Over the back of Brian Knobs' head. So, yeah, she wasn't playing out there. She was getting herself some. <laughs> she was not playing. She's like, I'm not wasting these opportunities. I'm making this stuff look good. I got to protect the business. So, I got to really hit y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I got to protect the business. <laughs> right. She was trashing That's them. That's a great line. They took harder hits from her than they took from Booker T and Stevie Ray. I'm telling you. <laughs> she was hitting them with cold cocking these dudes. Haymaker. After Haymaker, Molly Whopping him. That. <laughs> Molly Whopping him. <laughs> like, damn. I'm a bad for nasty boys. Like, damn, they got to they get, they get away from Sherry. <laughs> like, she whooping their ass out there. <laughs> they need Missy Hyatt back or something. Like, jeez. <laughs> they need to go there and take an ice bath after that. It's rough. So, yes, Harlem Heat retains the titles after defeating 
the Nasty Boys, who are from the Lehigh Valley. At least one of them are. I believe both of them might be. But so much for that. They lose. Harlem Heat are still the champions. But now we go to a promo by Ric Flair, who's yelling about the Fall Brawl t-shirt, which you could have gotten back on this night for the fee of $19.95 plus $5.95 for shipping and handling, of course. That's all also included, shipping and handling. Uh, but he's yelling about this white T-shirt that says Fall Brawl on it like it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's just a T-shirt. Huh. Uh, but then we move on somewhere else backstage. We're with Mike Tanay with the Macho Man, Randy Savage, who apparently, when Tanay introed Macho Man, he said he was suspended and fined more than any other guy in WCW. Was that the case? <laughs> For Macho, I know he's probably a villain. He's probably a, a heel. But, like, was he suspended and fined more than anybody else? Like, he was that that wild? Like, he's at wild that, out, out at here? At that point, no. It's probably uh, stuff that, you know, his feud with Flair. And I know his, like, dad was involved, so he probably attacked Flair and was banned from the building, I know, at some point. And then, uh, I think with the NWO uh, coming up, he was, like, banned from the building one point. Like the, um, what was it? The episode Hall debuted on. I think he had mentioned it, right? Savage, like, can't even get in the building. So, yeah, <laughs> probably stemmed from whatever storyline was going on at that point. I would assume. All right. Because <laughs> he wasn't a heel until he joined the NWO and WCW. Okay. He was uh, a, a face the whole time. Yeah, and I'm, I don't recall him being a heel. Like, did I miss something? Like. <laughs> But, you know, there's that. Um, but Savage, who was rocking a Nitro shirt at Fall Brawl. <laughs> well, dude, they always did this. They were, like Bobby Heenan at the end of War Games was like, what's going to happen on Nitro tomorrow? It, Hulk Hogan turns at Bash of the Beach. What's Nitro going to be like tomorrow? Like, they did it I mean, so much. It's look, it's promoting the TV show, man. Yeah, like, But nobody needed promotion when they're watching Fall Brawl. Like, they're going to watch Nitro anyway. <laughs> probably. That's probably true. I mean, most of the people who are going to order Fall Brawl. Could have had a Halloween Havoc shirt or something because he was going to main event it, but whatever. <laughs> but most of the people who are going to order Fall Brawl are going to watch Nitro the next night more than likely. So that's that's probably the case. But at Halloween Havoc, where he is scheduled to face Hulk Hogan in the main event, uh, he said he's going to rip his black chest out of Hulk Hogan's black, <laughs> black chest, black heart <laughs> out of Hulk Hogan's chest. I know Hulk Hogan don't want a black chest. <laughs> No, he did not. He didn't want to black anything. <laughs> he was black. He had black gear though. He had black gear in the NWO, so you had to wear it. Bula, bula, bula. <laughs> that's all. The, that's the only black thing Hogan had was his gear. Like, you sure we had to wear black and white, brother? We don't have to, right? <laughs> Why don't we just invert the red and yellow? <laughs> like, we just go back to red and yellow. We could be the red and yellow water order. Like, why not, brother? <laughs> I don't know. Like no Hogan, come on, bro. <laughs> like, not be racist for a minute. <laughs> like, just wear the black and white gear. All right, all right, brother. Once they told him how much money they was making, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, Let me get eighty percent of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me get all of that. Actually. <laughs> but yeah, we move on from that from Macho Man's promo to his match on. Fall Brawl. So he talked about all about his match at Halloween Havoc. Didn't even really mention who he was facing at Fall Brawl. So who he was facing? 
Oh, just a seven foot, five hundred pound giant of a man named the Giant. <laughs> like a warm up match, if you will. I'd be more worried about this guy crushing me than Hulk Hogan. Like, but here we are, Macho Man Randy Savage going against the Giant, who is in the New World Order, uh, but still had the Dungeon of Doom music at first, which was bizarre. Yeah. Did you catch that? I did not. But that he first came out. Ridiculous. It was Dungeon of Doom music, and then by the time he got to the ring, they switched it to the NWO music. They didn't even edit that on Peacock. That's hilarious. No. Dungeon by the Doom. way, this was season four, episode one of uh, oh, yeah. Fall Brawl. Thanks, so thanks for that. If you wanted to uh, go check this out for yourself with the theme music fiasco, that uh, yeah. you can. But yeah, I didn't notice that. I didn't pick up on that. That's hilarious. Yeah, Dungeon of Doom music to begin, and it's like, whoops, NWO music by the end. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so. listen, like he had just joined too for like a few right, weeks. Right, so or something, they forgot. So, wow. He didn't even have a shirt yet. He was just out there <laughs> being goofy. He really was. <laughs> he was like the so. least intimidating giant ever. <laughs> <laughs> At least they try to make him out to be that. <laughs> being he's hamming it up out there with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Mm. But uh, before that, though, he's in his match with Randy Savage with Nick Patrick as his referee. And it was becoming increasingly clear that Nick Patrick was a crooked referee. He was helping out the NWO in their matches. So keep that in mind. Um, Savage tried to, tried to keep Giant out of the ring to start the match. Uh, that didn't work out for too long because the Giant eventually got his hands on him and commenced to beating him up really bad. But at one point, Savage actually body slammed the Giant. Oh my god. Like what? Oh my god. That should be a much bigger deal. <laughs> the five thousand pound giant through the silver dome, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Crashing down to the mat, brother. But that was just like so weird. Like He what? slams him. <laughs> which no one saw coming because it's like, yeah. why would you do that here? And then Hogan comes out. And then Hogan and then Savage immediately chases him up to the curtain, which is like goofy. Because here comes the outsiders, start beating him up. Meanwhile, Nick Patrick is in the ring, checking on the giant with like the finger up, like, "Hey, follow my finger." <laughs> like, you okay? <laughs> what? <laughs> making sure he's legit. Right, making sure he's <laughs> conscious and he's coherent. You know, so Nick Patrick just so happened to not see the beating that Savage took, Mm-mm-mm. and then they just toss Savage back into the ring. Giant pins him and wins the match. The end. Well, let me tell you. Randy Savage, main event in Halloween Havoc the next month against Hulk Hogan. How, mu- how much do you think today's society with like social media wrestling fans would have been like, yo, really you're going to pin Savage there? Like, Why can't you just count, <laughs> count him out? Have it should have been a count out or something. I liked it. It was, it was fine. Like You could have a finish like that. But I, I couldn't help but think of... Uh, what the reaction would be like today uh, if something like that happened. When, obviously, people know too much about the business nowadays, and I've said that before, and they think they know better than anyone just because of their history of watching wrestling and following it on the internet. But uh, I mean, you know, the first thing I thought, he, he was taking a pin, but he's main event in Halloween Havoc the next month. So I was like, oh, this will get the arcs uh, rolling a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's like any other thing, though. You, you watch a football game, and everybody watching the game knows better than the head coach. Yeah. Same thing with a basketball True. game. Why would you start him over him or 
you got to do more pick and roll or your football. You know, why would you go for the fourth down there? And just like, you know, it's always second guessing. But, I mean, th- their intention was to get as much heat on the NWO as possible. And I guess that meant that the Giant had to pin Savage. Okay. I, I think the countout would have been better. It's like he probably would have won if he wasn't beat up outside the ring and lying there selling. But And it would have been funny if, like, McPatrick just did like a fast 10 count. Like, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. Or, or he just goes, one, two, ten. <laughs> Ring the bell. Probably would have been more entertaining. Uh, I would have died laughing <laughs> if that happened. One, two, ten. Done. <laughs> and then Ring you have the like bell. commentary, like beat him up for it, but he's just like, no, no, I, I count him. One, one to ten. <laughs> Yeah, like he would not be lying though, because he did like technically count it to ten. <laughs> he just got there faster than, than usual. <sighs> so what do we follow up this match with? After Savages got pinned and beat up by four people, we followed up with a Halloween Havoc promo <laughs> featuring <laughs> Randy Savage. <laughs> you want to see the guy who just got his ass beat by four people? Order the next month's pay per view. Come on down to Halloween Havoc. He's going to be alone again, but <laughs> the right. situation might be different. Or the outcome or might be different. he probably will get his ass whooped again. But <laughs> you can only see it at Halloween Havoc. <laughs> Hit up your cable and satellite provider now. <laughs> so there's that. Now we're backstage again with the four horsemen. But it's only oh, three of them. I love this. Uh, only this three of them. This is where Ric Flair says Gene. And let's track it. We are now just minutes away from the war games, and decision time is here. Ric Flair, which member of the Four Horsemen has been chosen to replace the departed Sting in I the war games matchup against the New World Order? Tonight, we are in the house. The Horsemen built Sting and no Sting. It's Luger. It's Devil And it's an HMR. The Horsemen have stepped aside. You hear that, Gene? You hate Sting, Calling him an icon. We're just gonna do it by ourselves. Sting or no Sting. Yeah. Here it comes. Wait one second. Start it again, brother. I've been waiting six days for this. I gotta hear this, but you better make it short and sweet. All I got is I'll make it real short. All I gotta say is it was not me on Monday night. It wasn't me, Lex. Well, I'll tell you what. We got a war game right that's, now. That's Steve Borden. I saw you. I looked you right in the face before you cheap shot at me. And Stinger, I know it was you. I can't believe you. And I don't believe you. <laughs> I can't eyes believe you. If you can't believe me, then so be it. I'll see you in a while. I hope we do. Luger, you're a lean, mean, rustling machine. Can I <laughs> will you walk the aisle? Love it. Why did he have to say that? I don't know. Lean <laughs> mean the wrestling Flair. machine. Oh, Rick okay. Flair. Yeah, he. I, weird, but hilarious at the same time. 
So the Sting, if you haven't noticed that they're talking about that attack Lex Luger, was not the real Sting. It's an imposter Sting. And the imposter Sting was played by Jeff Farmer. Now, was this jumping Jeff Farmer from the uh, worst promo ever? <laughs> it should have been. It would have been a lot better. I hope, but it's probably not. It's multiple, not. It could be another Jeff Farmer. So, yeah. That's what's happening here. But the one that was just in the locker room was the real Sting. Okay? Mm. He was pleading his case. Like, hey, I didn't do it. And Lex Luger didn't believe him. So, remember that. Because apparently, that's a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) All right? The fact that Lex Luger, who was attacked by a guy who looked just like Sting, didn't believe Sting didn't dark. do it hey, in, in the dark from a limo. He was wearing his wrestling tights, wearing the robe, right? Looked just like Sting in the dark, so it had to be him. Just like Sting, but Sting apparently didn't like the fact that Lex Luger didn't believe him when he said mm-hmm. he didn't do it. Even though I saw you do it, <laughs> even though it turns out it really wasn't him. But in that moment, it was you. At least I thought it was. Really. So keep that in the back of your mind. But it is now time for the main event of the evening. It is War Games. With apparently, right now at least, only three people per side. We got for the New World Order, we got Hollywood Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall going up against Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger representing WCW slash Four Horsemen, I guess. Um, so the fourth member of each team is kind of a mystery. With the WCW, they're like, well, we don't need a fourth member. NWO saying, hey, we're going to have a fourth member. So <laughs> it will behoove WCW to get a fourth person. You would think. For some reason, throughout this whole roster, they wasn't remotely trying to get a fourth person in there. Chris Jericho said no, so they couldn't find anyone else. Like, no one? Hell, get Benoit back. He's in the Four <laughs> Horsemen. I know he's tired. He just had a match, but like, what? Mm-mm. Either way, that's our match at the beginning. Uh, the insanely expensive Michael Buffer is out. He's back <laughs> to announce the match. <laughs> uh, he announced that only you know three people per team so far. Of course, you know War Games is four and four, uh, but we'll see fourth people or oh, a fourth person per side at a later time. But starting off the match is Scott Hall and the man who always starts off War Games, <laughs> Arn Anderson. Start off the very first War Games, and he's here again. Starting off the war games in 1996. The thing, the difference is with this one is that everybody was still in the locker room. They didn't have people in each side of the ring waiting their turn to get in. I think that was just to keep the mystery up about who the fourth person would be. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because I think the next year they they were at ringside. Right. So to keep that air of mystery, they left everybody else in the back. But... Who was still in the ring, despite the fact that everybody knows he's a crooked referee, is Nick yeah. Patrick. He's now refereeing uh, more games. You know, why is there a referee inside? There usually wasn't uh, a referee right. inside, so the, Dusty had mentioned. So. The, so for people who don't know, probably still don't know, even though we've had war games in recent years, the war games match technically doesn't be. Well, I guess it does begin when the first two guys enter, but like once everybody's in, that's when you can win. You can't win before that. <laughs> and then once everybody's in, that's what they call the match beyond. At least that's what it was early in the early days. 
They call that the match beyond. That's probably a dusty thing, right? I, I yeah. call it the match beyond, baby. It's beyond anything anybody's comprehension, you know? <laughs> exactly. So that's the match beyond. I'm just glad and it's like a three-second clip. That's <laughs> what makes me happy. <laughs> Once that happens, though, there are no pinfalls or submissions. You, well, I guess you could give up, but there's no submission like type of fall. Somebody has to surrender. See, it's different than a submission. Right. You're surrendering. You're not submitting. Right. Semantics, I guess. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> you got to give it up. You can't be penned and lose. So that's the authentic war games rules. They don't do those in NXT. I think they still have pinfalls. Yeah. In the NXT war games. Yeah. Um, but they, sh- they should do it like, you know, back in the day. Like Wonderful have that this year, by the way. <sighs> I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. There's NXT 2.0 with War Games a part of NXT 2.0. I don't know. War Games but, 2.0. <laughs> they'll, they'll stack the cages. Oh, God. Two rings now on top now of you're each turning other. into Ready to Rumble. We don't need that. <laughs> we don't need that. The only difference they, is they'll have a ring they, on they, top of Didn't they do that one time with War Games? Didn't they make it like a stack cage? Yeah, it was like yeah. a triple decker. Well, actually, I don't know if that was technically War Games. It might have been mm-hmm. on a Nitro. That might have been the War Games. So it was like a triple decker cage. God, that's so, terrible. Yeah. That is awful. On a Nitro, too. Okay. <laughs> I think that was the one Vince Russo won the title. Because uh, Goldberg speared him through the cage or something. Jesus. So, yeah. So, <laughs> we got Nick Patrick out in the ring. And... Soon as Scott Hall gets the upper hand on Arn Anderson, he's like, "I'll end the match right now, Arn. Yeah, <laughs> I'll ring the bell right this second. <laughs> like when you can't. Literally, the rule is that it has to start once everybody's in the ring. So that's when you can end the match. But Nick Patrick was a crooked referee, so couldn't put it past him. Uh, predictably, the bad guys won the coin toss. What do you know? Wow. The NWO. I did not see that coming. Won the toss, so that meant they get to have the man advantage every time. <laughs> so the first guy out was Kevin Nash, and they, you know, beat up on Art Anderson for a little bit. But Lex Luger comes out to even the odds. But not long after that, here comes Hogan. Luger now, was early. He was a cheater. There you go. He mm-hmm. ran down there before the timer ran out. Hogan jumps in. But Hogan jumps in and he immediately gets his ass whooped. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually. Cause the, that guy's supposed to come in, you know, clean house and beat people up. And he just got in there and got immediately stomped out. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> he needed help <laughs> to, to get on his feet again. Like, yo, somebody help you, help me. Like, they whooping my ass right now. <laughs> right? So that was pretty funny. Uh, they eventually look into NWO, get the upper hand because they have the man advantage. But Ric Flair comes out to even the odds yet again. And things are going well until quote-unquote Sting comes out for the NWO. And everybody's yep, there is Sting. I knew it. He's an NWO. Now, once you see them in the, see yeah. <laughs> in the ring who this person is, you know that's not Sting. Like, yeah. maybe in the dark, maybe like that first scene when you come out the limo, like, oh, okay. But now you see him in the ring, it's like, this thing is splashing the same. Like, oh my God, it was terrible. His legs didn't even move. 
Uh, he did not get the elevation oh that God. Sting would get. Sting I would get hang it. time. He would. It was not the case with Jeff Farmer. Bless his heart. He tried his best. <laughs> he did. The bulldog um, was kind of good, but the Stinger Splash, eh. No, no that no. didn't that didn't do not it. Not even close. But after the fake Sting comes out, now here comes the real Sting. Ooh. Okay. And he comes out and commences to whooping everybody's ass. Right? I mean, he's tearing through people. But then he gets tired of whooping ass, and he leaves. <laughs> he flips off, he flips off Lex Luger. With Luger. Is that good enough for you right there? Wow. Flips him off and then left. No, 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 no. Stick it. He just told him to stick it. He said, is that good enough for you? Thanks, Dusty. <laughs> That's exactly what happened, though. <laughs> and then Sting just left. So, so much for all that momentum they had. And not long after he left, NWO was just whooping, <laughs> got back to whooping ass. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, and I did a minute later. Right. It's like, Sting, what are you doing, bro? Sting leaves, WCW surrenders, the NWO is victorious at War Games. But we're not done yet. <laughs> we are not done yet. Because the NWO is still beating people up after the bell. But then Randy Savage comes out. Oh, yeah, here he comes. He's going to save WCW. Ah, uh, here we go. It's all. Oh, oh no, he gets his ass beat too. Did you, did you see him come from the aisle? Because I saw him come like from the ring the first time I saw. I, I, I don't recall. <laughs> like, I know. Was, I don't. Know. I saw him come out there and get beat up by the giant. Yeah. The giant came out after yeah. that. But it's funny because I don't know if I missed him coming to the ring, and then the first time I saw him, he was like coming back through the aisle, trying to attack the NWO. I was like, wait, was he under the ring? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I missed it. I don't know, but I thought that was a funny visual that he was coming from the opposite way of the entrance to attack the NWO. So. Mm, he came out there where, however he could come out there. <laughs> Tried his best, but to no avail. Oh, well. Oh, well. He's still a main event in Halloween Havoc. That, that's all that matters. Which, hell, we're probably doing a deep dive next month on that. Uh, probably. 96 Havoc, probably. I would love to do a deep dive on that one. So, but the NWO to beating on Savage. This brings out Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth. Oh man, they're still in love with Savage. She comes out mm-hmm. and tries to protect him from this beating. She lays on top of him, and Hulk Hogan, the low-down, dirty, rotten scoundrel that he is, spray-painted Elizabeth while she lied on top of Savage. That was indeed Savage. Well, <laughs> that deserved that. I'll, I'll admit, I deserved that. I did not want to do the fail. Because um, I, I said deep down, I thought that he was gets funny. on the mic and it's like, "Well, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support." <laughs> but Hogan gets on the mic and goes, "Hey, y'all made this vow to stay together until death do y'all part. Well, I'm about to kill him, so <laughs> y'all gonna be splitting up real soon." <laughs> The announcers then called. Oh, then he spit on Elizabeth after that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the announcers then called him the lowest form of human on the yeah. planet. <laughs> he's just a, just a terrible person, and it's like this is the lowest point ever for WCW. And then the giant gets into the camera, thanks Hulk Hogan for a movie contract. <laughs> 
And then Hogan spits on the camera. It's like, damn, that's disgusting. Come yeah, on. Get, get out of here. What that, are you doing? Wait. Hulk and the NWO, they're just ruling the roost right now. Meanwhile, no one it's from like, WCW wanted that smoke. It's like, y'all want your own TV show. Like These are the cameras you're going to have to use. So what the hell? That's true. Stop spitting on them. That's true. That's disgusting. And that's just nasty. But where was anybody from WCW? Where was Harlem Heat? Yeah. Where was Benoit? <laughs> Those are his homies getting beat up. Yeah. He's in the horseman. Yeah. Nobody wanted that smoke. And WO beat up. According to Bobby Heaton. <laughs> was that? And WO's last match ever, according to Bobby Heaton. Oh yeah, last match on his, Earth. His uh hypothesis. They gotta go to Mars to wrestle. <laughs> they wanna wrestle again. <laughs> that was a weird little addition he made on Earth. <laughs> like what? You know, like have WC Ni- uh, NWO Nitro on the space shuttle or something? I don't know. But I know Heenan bailed as soon as the NWO <laughs> came to the announcer position. Got he was always the first there. one out. He was like, peace. <laughs> right. Always the first one out. Kevin Ash gets on the headset. Like, that about wraps it up from Winston-Salem, by God. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And they are mugging to the camera. The giant, he's he's kissing Hulk Hogan on the cheek. Yeah. There's just a bunch of stupid stuff going on at this point. Yeah. As like, we go off the air. Why are we still on pay-per-view at this point? <laughs> I don't know. Why is this on the pay-per-view? Like, but that's what was happening yeah. as we went off the air at Fall Brawl in 1996. Nick, you have any closing thoughts on this show? Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, this was my favorite time period in WCW. Obviously, the NWO. I'm sure it's favorite time period for a lot of people but uh for me being a wrestling fan since 1990 and seeing it blow up like in this time frame when you know starting sixth grade and people are interested i was seeing outsiders teach a t-shirt at a school and stuff like that and this was like the coolest thing but i wasn't watching their pay-per-views because i've i was wwf over everything so uh always order the WWF pay-per-view and not the WCW one. And so I never saw this pay-per-view until it was on the network. And, uh, I don't know. I, I always a big fan of this era. Uh, WCW for me, it's more realistic, uh, a lot better product. Uh, announcers were better trying to explain things. Yeah. I mean, like I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, the, I enjoy war games the way WCW presented it this year and the next year. Uh, can't wait to talk about our next deep dive uh the next one and that was probably my favorite one of all time my favorite wcw pay-per-view of all time so excited to talk about it and i'm excited that we went back visited wcw again in this era because yeah for me it's like they could do no wrong almost it was great It it was a good show and it made me for one it made me realize just like i forgot like how much heat they would put on the nwo like how much they would just beat up everybody week yeah. after week for really a whole almost like a year yeah. like this they they got together what was that june of 96 was it july or bash of the beach bash of the beach was july yeah, so, so this is september so we're talking about two months later so not that long but like i don't think they got a moment over the nwo at all during this time no, because when and, they did, they immediately, like the NWO immediately got their heat back. Like we did, uh, what, Slambury 97. WCW had like their win in the main event, but it literally didn't mean anything. Right. 
And you would think, like, oh, maybe something crazy would happen at Starcade. You know, right. maybe they would, like, beat Hogan there. That didn't happen. Well, that they was did. What, well, In 96, Piper oh, beat Hogan, that but that was... That wasn't for the title. Correct. And then when it was for the title, you know, they, they that's when Savage joined the NWO. So every right. single time, WCW, Jesus. like, coming back. like, And it was good storytelling, but at, you needed that... St- that's why you needed that Sting Hogan to go perfectly and <laughs> mess yeah. that up and it literally messed up the before and after so it, it was it's really frustrating looking back to see uh how better it could have been kurt heading joining the horseman like could have been great not just like another father for nwo like I, there's there's so many different things that could have given wcw like that like they did that lex luger title win and then took it right back the next week. Like that's co- consistently what they did. That ultimately yeah. was the worst part about it. Yeah, that's 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 what sucks kind of about it now. Like we know where this is leading to, but it's not, and it's dope getting to it. But the payoff is just bad. Yeah, all the way around. It's yeah. really bad. And we talked about it multiple times here in the past with Starcade '97 and the. The, the just the all the potential that was flushed down the drain <laughs> on that night, everything before that, oh that's good. That night though, <laughs> trash. But you know we've talked about that before. We'll probably talk about it again. But until then, Nick, let's wrap it up for episode three hundred with some plugs, please. Follow me at Pacone underscore for now. We'll see if I get my old count back i doubt it but whatever follow us at shooters radio on twitter as well and we're on facebook at facebook.com slash shooters radio and you know what i'll try to get this available on phillyinfluencer.com uh but make sure you go to shootersradio.com for the latest episodes in our archives as well well i am at one johnson on twitter you can check me out there you might find me out here in these streets uh you might hear my dog as well out here in these streets <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find my writing or you, you can you still find my writing on philadelphiaeagles.com I have been writing a lot lately I've been kind of busy though running our social media <laughs> during training camp and now the regular season um, so it's a, bit, a little busy but I will be getting back into the writing at some point Just I know y'all waiting for it just bear with me it will happen again um, but also Make sure to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash shootersradio, where you can put in a request for a deep dive. So you want us to you know, dive into a show that, you know, of your choosing, patreon.com slash shootersradio, put in your request, or pay the fee, put in a request, and we shall fulfill it. And we'll even let you make a cameo on the show to talk about the content, content that we're diving into. So again, patreon.com slash shootersradio. It's a great deal. You can't beat it. You can't beat it with a stick, as they say. (laughs) One last time for Dusty. (laughs) But yes, head over there again. Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio. Until next time, for Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 300 of The Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Listen to the straight shooters. This Donnie Wahlberg from WrestleMania 10. And you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick Pacone at the straight shooters, y'all. Well, love.
Bula, Bula, Bula.